when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is April 3rd, 2017. We made it to April. We did it. And we're coming to you live from Lobby One here in Vice HQ in Brooklyn, New York. Joining me, as always, Danielle Riendo. Hi, how you doing today? Patrick Klepek coming to us from the Internet. It's accurate. You nailed the it. The Internet's Great. own Patrick Klepek quoting I, the seat. That's, that's how I introduce myself. Yes. Oh, hi. I'm the, uh, I'm the Internet's own Patrick hmm. Klepek. The internet owns I-O-P-K. me. I-O-P-K. The, right. UP, yeah. the UPS guy really appreciates that. He thinks it's, I bet he loves it's it. very funny. He loves it so much. How's everybody doing today? This is Monday morning. Good. I had a lost cat this morning. Uh-oh. I had to deal with a lost cat. Where, okay, tell me about the lost... Was it I'm your cat? I'm cat sitting. No, lost, no, my, oh. kids are never, my cats are never lost. Did you lost. say kids? My kids, kids are never lost? Oh, but you meant your kids. cats. I think I admitted something right I there. I think you did. I think, I think the internet knows about my feelings about my cats now. Did you lose someone else's cat no, this morning? No, they were hiding extremely well. It required uh, some extrication and some treats to get them out. I'm cat sitting right now for a okay. good friend. And one of the cats is like really incredibly friendly. They're both friendly. But one of them's a little shy. You know, it required a little uh, little digging. That's happens. Cats are very good at what they do. Yeah. Um, they are very good at deceiving us. That's true. They sound like babies sometimes as a way of alluring us and, and making us love them. Yeah, they're also really cute. And despite knowing all of their tricks, I really love cats. They're the best. Patrick, how have you been? Not pro-cat because they make me want to die, so. Well, oh, not, that's unfortunate. Not the Why? cat's faults, but, you uh, know, sorry. Allergies. Yeah. You make me want to literally just roll over and end it. So no, no cats. <laughs> Get out of here, cats. Aww. What's the worst cat experience you ever had? All of them. There's not. There's no pro cat experience when when they make. But like, they, is there like a is there a sliding scale from like? No, every cat makes me feel awful. So all cats are unfortunately painted with the allergy brush. Thus making you all terrible. What about lions? I haven't been around a lion. I don't think I'd get close enough to know if my allergies would be affected. So yeah, look, if cats want to be stuck behind a, a glass plating <laughs> in which in which they are not allowed to uh, interact uh, with their allergens in my nose, then you know, fine. <laughs> cats are great. You can you can have all the cats you want if they're locked away in a room uh, and capable of interacting with me. I, that's, uh, that's a choice. That's uh, I it's get, not I'm a not choice. I, allergies were I not the choice. I did not choice. come out of I this mean, world saying fuck cats. I, I, I it was given to me. <laughs> I mean, it was nature's choice yeah. to fuck you over. It's true. It's really unfortunate. Cause cats are awesome. Cats are great. Yeah. We shouldn't just you know. We should just take a pause. Let's get off of cats because okay. we're just taunting Patrick. I understand. Oh, does that drawing of Patrick make you really sad? Like you as a cat? Because it's like that could be me if only I could get close to cats. Oh, no. I've no. Instead, I just feel like that 
that that's how I feel when I have the cat allergies. Like I've just transformed into this <laughs> right. cat creature because they're they're in me. In a, like I can feel the cat inside me, and it's a, it's a miserable experience. That's cat Austin. The cat inside that's me. Cat is... Catston Walker. Yeah, the that's cat. Me. Right the cat inside me is my <laughs> my it's like a self help book. What is the my best selling young adult trilogy about my uh, my life with the cats? Cats. Besides cats. cats fucking best. What else is happening? Dogs are also great. Yeah. My eat? little dog is finally getting his necessary medication. Oh, you know soon. what? Being allergic to cats would make me feel way better about small dogs. Sure. Because they're basically cats that are a little more excited. Well, uh, let's... No, my... Uh, cats can... Li- like, they're self-sustaining. That's the advantage to cats. Yeah, dogs, it's great. Dogs yeah. will just die. <laughs> that's a good yeah, point, actually. I, Especially mine. The, but like, the, So for me, the divide had always been like... If I want a dog, I want, like, a mid-sized dog or bigger. Like, the smallest dog I'll get ever in my life probably is, like, a Shiba Inu, which is a small dog, but has the weird proportions of a it's, mid-sized it's a dog. It's pretty medium, actually. Like, it has, like, it has, like, long legs, like, right. comparatively. Yeah. Um, They're not tiny. Right. And it has, like, the features of, like, a mid-sized yeah. dog. A mid-sized, you know, like a mid-sized Mid-sized sedan. features. <laughs> you know. You know. Yeah, I'll just go exactly. down to the Honda and, you know, yeah. pick me up a mid-sized well, dog. Get a lab. Yeah, We exactly. didn't get a, a Chihuahua. I, I have a Chihuahua Terrier mix. He's mm. way bigger than a full Chihuahua. The reason we got that, even though he ended up being a little bit of a pain in the old buckaroo there, yeah. is that uh, my girlfriend says that Chihuahuas have, and I quote, a rat face. And she wanted a dog that had a little bit more of a dog face. <laughs> I'll make sure. I'll make sure and tell Pixel what your girlfriend said about her. Wow! Uh, I hope certain you know. beef. Well, and every time, because there were several Chihuahuas. One was named Nacho. One was named Dorito at the shelter. And every time Drake, my dog, is a little jerk. We're always like, I wonder what life was like with Dorito. I wonder what if we took Nacho. Right. What every if? time we're yeah. like that. Your whole life would be different. My whole Much life less would poop be a on lot the floor. Better. I hope. Hopefully, that's the other thing. Small dogs poop a little less. Than giant dogs. Oh, yeah, see, that's dogs. that's that's an enormous part of it to me. I've I have friends with big dogs, <laughs> and like you're basically just, just shoveling. Mm, like I mean, you, it's a shovel. The amount of poop in your hands is just yeah. astronomical. At least with a small dog, it's a small mess. Oh, well, okay, it's not a small mess. Not actually. when they poop on the treadmill. Yeah, like he poops on the treadmill and it you. goes flying across the room. It's really disgusting. He's devious. He figured out a mechanism. He's, He's like literally is medieval. Correct. Right. He, like, if there was an arbalist in your house, yeah. he would have learned how to load his poop onto it and shoot it. Correct. Very correct, yes. Or trebuchet. everywhere. Some other sort of siege engine. Poop is a big he part of why... He is the siege engine, True. to be honest with you. Poop is a big part of why I don't like birds very much. Yeah, they poop a lot. Uh, they poop a lot. I also... I just don't like birds. Like, I... Hmm. There's a handful of birds that I like, yeah. but I don't get bird... I... Hmm. People are allowed to have whatever pets they want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to judge you. For sure. I've just had bad experiences with birds and my ears because they're loud. <laughs> I understand. Not because they pecked me in my ears. I was like, did a bird eat your ear? I am, however, playing as a bird species in Stellaris currently, See, you know. which is a game. We talk about game. video games and a those video game, game podcasts. It's a space game. Stellaris Utopia, the the new expansion for Stellaris, yes. is coming this week along with a big patch that is 
I think really aiming to fix some really core problems with that game, a game I like a lot, but I kind of want to tell you guys a story about this. Please do. Fucking, do you want to, you want to set uh, up what this game is? To it's yes. sort of a, 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 yes. a, a sort of a niche game. So I just so it is an, it is absolutely a niche game. So Solaris is by Paradox, which is famous for making grand strategy games. The biggest of which, the most successful of which, anyway, is Crusader Kings Two, which is a game about kind of like living as a as a member of a dynasty in the Middle Ages, yeah. uh, going through like the early Renaissance basically. And their games are really interesting because compared to traditional strategy games, right? Like Civilization is a game about conquering the world. In general, uh, conquering is still a thing that happens in these games, but it's totally easy to play a game of Crusader Kings or Hearts of Iron or Victoria or Europa Universalis, any of their games, and just like, oh, I'm going to like, my thing is not conquering the world. My thing is like taking over Argentina. Okay. <laughs> or like, oh, my thing isn't, isn't, okay. my thing isn't like trying to conquer Europe. It's getting Iron. Ireland unified as in the Kingdom of Ireland. And that's my focus. Or what happens in Crusader Kings 2 a lot is like, my goal isn't taking over all of the Middle East. It's getting back that motherfucker who betrayed me. And right. I'm going to spend 300 years of like, <laughs> of like feuding with his family and like setting up political marriages and blah, blah, blah. And Solaris is them trying to move into the sci-fi space uh, sector. Which is, which, as we've all established, a thing we all yeah, prefer totally. over high fantasy. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting for them because they do history games. And this yeah. is a game that is about space. But I also feel like it is a historical game in mm-hmm. that it is interested in like the systems of history, the structures of history, the way in which forces, political forces, economic forces collide to make interesting things happen. Whereas a game like Masters of Orion or there are lots of like 4X games, um, Galactic Civilizations, tend to be like they have those sorts of things like, oh, the, the economy is a thing. They tend to really just still be about exploring a universe and then conquering it, right? And there is still some of that here. I don't want to... This is the most like that one of their games is. But... What makes it really cool for me always is the weird political stuff mixed with the weird high, like hard science fiction stuff. This is the first time I've played it in probably six months. They've released two expansions that, or they've released one full expansion called Leviathans, which is like a bunch of fiction stuff plus weird space monsters. Um, I happened to make a new a new species this time that ended up being their planet like two light jumps away was a thing that was slowly devouring a star, and I'm not like. 12 hours into this save and I don't know what to do about that thing that's just eating a star nearby. Like, I just don't have the military force to go deal with it. I can't talk to it. It's called a Stellar Devourer. That sounds bad That's a great me. name, though. That's a, that's a great yeah. name. I, w- I want to be reincarnated as a Stellar Devourer. Yeah, totally. Um, so let me just set up this thing that happened to me because I think it's really fucking cool. To me, this arc explains why I play these games in general. So I'm playing as this, this bird species called the Pentalon Coalition. You can make your Perfect. own species in this game, your own cultures. Um, did, they you are, like, did you name them? Yeah. Did you name them? Yeah, the- yeah. The Pentalon Coalition. Why? What's, yeah. What would we explain? It just sounded cool okay. to me. All right. Um, I probably Coalition. hit random a bunch and then found some words I liked and like squished them and then changed them or whatever. I made them like eight months ago and then okay. jumped back in. And was like, right. uh, I'll start with these guys who I made forever ago. So whatever my brain space was, I don't PC. remember. I get you. Right. Uh, exactly. Right. So um, they're bird people uh, who have like 
when you make a, a species or a culture in this game, you give them different like traits, uh, both like in terms of what their focuses are. So like you could be spiritualist or materialist in terms of like, oh, do you, are you studying science or do you have a religious focus? You could be pacifistic or militant. And you have like fanatic whatever versions versus regular whatever. And then they're also new to this mode, new to this, this update are civics, which are just like little extra not like things where it's like, oh, this is a – not only do you like science, you really like robots. Not only are you an egalitarian, you're a beacon of hope for migrants. You're basically like a sanctuary society. And so I made these religious militant xenophiles who like they like they other like alien everybody. species. Yeah. They're a warrior culture. They're a tribal culture who have like this deep history of clans. And we got lucky and kind of started in a nice open space, kind of like not too many people around us, which gave us a lot of time to slowly grow. There's also a second species in my species. One of the other like little bonus civics I took was like, oh, there is – they don't call it an underclass, but there is a second species that I've given good rights to but like are very clearly like set up to be the proles, right? Like, oh, they're hard workers. They are not going to be put into like the technocratic roles. But in my society, I've given them lots of good positive things. Like, I'm not stepping on them. They're, we're an equal, they're equal species. Okay. They're different capabilities but they're equal species in my, in my society. Um, and so because of to that – they're separate but equal? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Sci-fi gets weird because when you have – a species that's like, oh, no, they're just smarter. Like, it ends up being kind of a fucked up analogy for the world, and it's where a lot of this falls apart. I've never, I've never, I've never heard a longer pause from Austin Walker. Mass right Effect uh, Andromeda does this super poorly in that right. the antagonists this this time around are all about, like, genetic purity and, like, oh, well, they believe that the Asari have a higher capability for intelligence. Uh, or the Salarians. They, the Salarians have a higher d- degree of intelligence. And then they're proven right. Like, that's also true in this game in world. That, yeah, and that's kind of like them, hmm, you didn't, y'all, y'all fucked up. Whereas in Solaris, no one says that it's it's wrong in the world to believe <laughs> that those people are better at picking apples than being scientists. That's just a fact of this game world <laughs> that's fucked up because sci fi can right. be fucked up sometimes. Right. The point is, everyone has the same rights under the law. God okay. damn it. That's. That's a step right. in the right direction. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a, step a step in the right direction. Austin Walker's Stellaris so, journey. Well, okay, so so here's so so the one of the new things in this new Solaris update is factions. One of the big problems with the early or, or with the original release was that in the middle of the game, all of your problems were external. Um, it was just like, oh, I'm running into factions that want to, or I'm running into other cultures that want to kill me, or like I'm struggling to have enough money or whatever. There was never any of that like beautiful, good political intrigue that came from most of Paradox's games. Like it was just, it was just like, oh, they want to fight. It was never like I'm crumbling from the inside because I can't keep people happy. Oh no, which is what those games do really well. So in this game, they added factions internally, or in this update, they added, they, they kind of changed how factions internally work. So the first faction that started was a group called the Alien Justice Coalition. Okay. okay. Good name. And That's they're all great. about, they're all about like diversity. Like they uh-huh. wanted free migration and multiple species. And I, that all added up with what I had. And so like they were happy with me. So the, SJ, the SJWs of the, uh, of the, <laughs> right. the Stellaris of, universe. Of this, yes, yeah, exactly. Like, Very yeah. big into <laughs> diversity. And the way that these factions work is they have like five or six things that they care about and some of them are things where they're like, hey, just don't fuck around with that and we'll be cool and other ones are like, hey, if you do this, I'll be really happy and so they were really happy with me because I did a bunch of things that they liked. Then like, uh, you know, a couple decades into this game, 
the patriotic vanguard started, oh, and that already sounds bad. Oh no! Uh, but they weren't that bad at first because they were they were like this militant group. They were like hawks, but they didn't necessarily want me to go start wars. They just really didn't. They believed that like being solitary was strong. Like we should stay inside of our own culture. And at that point, we were because it was just the early game, and we just hadn't found that many other cultures. And they wanted to like keep war on the table. They wanted me to be like, oh yeah, there was a situation in which I would declare war a war of aggression. They weren't. They just didn't want me to move into a, a softer position. But at the beginning of the game, that was totally fine. Uh, and then a little bit further into the game, I found a little a group of like lizard people who lived on a tundra planet, and I lifted them up to space because I'm a bad because I haven't watched Star Trek. Uh, prime decided, <laughs> Fuck it. Violated that prime directive. Of course, we don't have the prime directive. We're bird people. They don't have that. <laughs> Their prime director is like, hey, you look cool. Come hang out with us. All right. I have this other tundra planet I can't colonize. You live on a tundra planet. Join my coalition and get on that planet. Um, And so when I did that, there was a new group called the Free Elections Initiative that was all about how, like, when you bring in new people, don't, like, take away their right to vote. Like, make sure Sure. that they can be part of society in the same way. It's like, awesome. This is also good. And then some non-political stuff happened that then wrapped back into the political stuff. So while all this is happening on the, the politics stuff, I'm sending science ships out through, the, through space and I'm finding other cultures and there have been like some light skirmishes and stuff. But I have one way far away, like in a place that like doesn't even matter to me. Like there are 12 different cultures over there, but I'll never interact with them in a one-on-one thing because they're so far away. And the, the science ship, which is called the Scream, all of, my, all of my science ships were named things that birds do like scream or dive or sweep. <laughs> Or sore, right? I didn't name them. This is all. This is all. I haven't had. I don't have a call yet. All right. Um, And all of my science, all of like my my named characters are things like plume of of viridian or whatever, (laughs) beak of of vermilion, whatever. I I only know V colors, also. (laughs) Sure. Um, And so the scream is up in this like weird galactic arm that I have not really been to at all. And then this thing happens where it's in a, it's in like a galactic node. Uh, there are a bunch of ways you can travel through space in this game. You can do like just go from whatever planet to whatever planet slowly. You can do wormhole stuff. But my, my culture uses like hyperlanes. Mm. So the whole galactic network is like there's little highways. You can jump from one planet to the other. I don't have access to the other ones, which means that this thing happens where my science ship gets caught on a node between two warring cultures. Uh-oh. And then both of them shut down their borders. So it's just stuck here for a while and also that node is a black hole um and so it's just orbiting this black hole and it notices that there is something there that it can study but no one on the ship my science officer isn't high enough level to study it successfully so i'm just like you're just stuck there pal and i'm like no i fuck uh." and i spend like three in-game years slowly repairing my relationship with one of the two warring factions so that that ship can get out of that little node and go level up somewhere else and it and it does that i give them a bunch of gifts and like hey open open your borders to me like we're cool we're never gonna fight i'm never gonna see you again please just let my science ship away from this fucking black (laughs) hole and it goes out and levels up and i bring it back so that it can scan this black hole uh, and then I get an event because this game also has lots of events. And the event, I'm just going to read, this is the first event from this long chain. And it's called the Horizon Signal, Gravity is Desire. Oh, boy. And it says, Science Officer Wings of Ivory, see, <laughs> Science Officer Wings of Ivory reports that the signal was unexpectedly easy to decipher, but that their team has spent considerable time confirming that it is not a hoax. It is a repeating half-coherent message in the Pentholin language, something like a poem. It repeats the phrases, gravity is desire and time is sight. 
It encodes coordinates near the black hole, and it ends with a dedication by name to the science officer, who adds dispassionately that they have confirmed that the signal has been radiating into interstellar space since before their birth. In fact, the signal may predate our civilization. And that sets off this huge long chain of events with like lots of decision making and stuff, which is really cool, and lots of like role playing. Like, oh, do we want to lean into the religious side of our culture where we're like st- like studying this and worshiping it, or do we want to lean into the military side of our culture where we're like, nah, send in a ship with a bomb in it, please? <laughs> um, there's a section in it where they're like, uh, this guy shouted out the worm, and then in parentheses uh, it says, or maybe it was the worm where the W is capitalized, <laughs> which is a really good joke. That's amazing. Um, and then all of this collides because. At the end of this set of, of quests and stuff, there's a section where it a growing cult that worships like a time paradox came into power and released a retrovirus that turned my people into a previous evolutionary state of them. The leader of my culture was like, yeah, give me one of those because he was completely bought in. And then seconds later, seconds after the leader of our culture was like, yeah, time paradox cult, awesome, a group of citizens formed a fourth party called the Financial Stability Board, (laughs) which are neoconservative Republicans. Oh, God. They were like, no, 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 no. Hey, 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 slow the fuck down. (laughs) Status quo. We need to defend the status quo immediately. There's too much happening. No, we have to get it back on to just economics. Austerity time, y'all. Kind of seems like they maybe have a point this time, though. (laughs) So what's amazing, so they had an incredible attraction rate. And so it went from being like, this game works in a thing called population units because like that's how these sorts of games work, right? And so I had like 60 population units spread out across all these different planets. And before this thing existed, it was pretty evenly split with a with a serious tilt towards the the group that was all about justice, like the the S- our SJW space like, justice party. warriors, space justice yes. warriors, yes. the SJWs were just crushing it. We were just crushing it. And then the space Republicans showed up, and literally thirty of my population units went right to them immediately because <laughs> wow. it has a thing called the attraction mechanic. That's like, oh hey. Right now, that's really attractive. This is the thing yeah. we need right now kind of thing. So okay. at that point, I'm like, fuck off, Financial Stability Board. Like, give me back my people. Like, And I start trying to, like, subvert them and, like, run propaganda against them. And they want me to do stuff that's, like – some of the stuff is, like, easy enough to keep them happy. Like – get a bunch of money like they just want us to have a good reserve of money at all times okay. so that we're safe but other things that they want are like stop trading with with people who were like questionable about like cl- shut down your borders be clean like be pure don't let in any other and i'm like fuck y'all yeah no and then things got even more complicated oh no which is i decided that the way to get stability that i was comfortable with was to form a federation because I have seen Star Trek. Right. I have played Mass Effects one through three. Okay. I understand that the way towards towards success in the universe stronger is, together. is stronger together. You diversity of, of a bunch of different cultures, not just a bunch of different species, people of different beliefs. I just wanna I just uh, wanna point out that stronger together was uh, the branding of Hillary Clinton's failed twenty sixteen campaign, okay. so I'm feeling well, very <laughs> nervous about what you're about to listen, embark upon, Austin. Right. I don't know where Sometimes. this story goes. I just wanna say I'm nervous. We're taking I'm the high nervous. road as in as in space. That's how high space, our high road is. Space That's where high. Hillary went wrong. <laughs> she said we take the high road, she they take the low. She should have been a space the, queen. She should have gone to space where they're the highest road that okay. there is. That's right. So Please continue, Governor. Is, so <laughs> oh. the, the thing is <laughs> that 
to start a federation, you have to make friends with people. And so to make friends with people, you have to sometimes change your internal policies. So I really wanted Earth. The Earth was just – I found the Earth at one point and the UN was there. The United Nations of Earth were there. And I was like, oh, yeah, we should be buds. Like y'all seem pretty okay. And to make friends with them, I needed to be friends with another group. And to make friends with that other group, I had to say, no more wars of aggression. I'm just going to do defensive wars from now on. And when I did that, the fucking patriotic vanguard lit up. And then they really lit up when I started the Federation because the two things they care about is let us fight whoever the fuck we want to fight and also no Federations. Right, they're xenophobic. They're just like don't ever work with another group. And so suddenly their happiness goes from like 50% to 2%. Oh, boy. And they're not that many people. They're like 10% of my population. But when 10% of your population is at 2% happiness – everything grinds to a halt. That's just like, oh yeah, we're not going to work in the electric factories anymore. You're not going to have any power. (laughs) Sorry, bud. And like suddenly I'm in this weird position, which is I can keep the neocons happy. I can keep the financial stability board happy. I just have to have a lot of money. They're totally into having a federation because it's stable. And I have to make the decision of like, oh, I'm going to make friends with like the traditional moderate Republicans over these extreme right wing war hawks. And like that's when I know it's a good game. When the weird time space cult has somehow caused a chain of events that's made me like go across the aisle and and be like, mm, you're more of a Mark Rubio. I can live Find with you. Find the three moderates. Right? That's yeah. the thing. Yep. And that's what makes these games really cool to me. Oh my is, God. Because like, I had the whole arc of – Hating them when they started to like, you're a necessary evil that will keep things stable. I'm going to push towards you and then we'll deal with you later. But for now, you're a little more stable. I really like Stellaris. A lot of the stuff has been has been really cool for me to come back to because I liked that game when it launched, but it was really missing the stuff that I'm describing now when it comes to like internal conflict. So I'm going to stick with that. And it's giving me like the sci-fi fix I wanted from Mass Effect. Yeah. How lo- um, how The story you just told, how long is that in – what you played a three hour segment right or four hours like all said it was probably 12 hours like from birth to this moment right but the the heart of it which was like i have three of the four factions formed and then i find this weird cult uh, in or i find this weird time space anomaly in a black hole to the end of that is like three hours of play okay but that's like a lot of time that's a lot of time but like the thing that's cool about these games for me is there's lots of fiddly stuff to worry about where it's like oh i'm gonna move my populations around and make sure that I'm getting the most efficient production. I'm going to make a new sector because I'm only allowed to personally control three or four planets. I'll let the AI handle these other three. But all in the back of my mind is just like, what the fuck is happening with that space worm? (laughs) What is that space worm? And that's the thing that works really well is it gives you that flavorful background while you're doing the minutia of like running a space empire. So I'm excited to put some more time into that. God, I want to play this. Yeah, we need to. I mean, as a a, The Expanse fangirl, this sounds like it's right up my alley. We need to do a stream of like you, me, and Rob playing that That game. I, I kind of hinted at that in my game of the year list was like hey i really like solaris i'm gonna like it a lot more once they fix this mid-game stuff and i'll do a stream of it so we should definitely this week or next week show you some of that stuff because it's really amazing um that game's out this week uh like i think that april 6th the 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 expansion to it so there's all this other stuff that i'm not even gonna get into but i just wanted to like that's the that's the heart of why i play games like this that are really convoluted is sometimes that can build up to be this really interesting flashpoint um, so also it's the only time I like birds is when they get to be <laughs> that's fair. astronauts when they're in space when they're in space, yeah, space hey, birds. That's when birds how do you belong. convince someone to convert to birdism you make them play Solaris <laughs> as a bird race that's it that's you wanna exactly it make you want a birdism make, exactly you know? <laughs> uh, how, how does anybody else have any really 
amazing game experiences this weekend? Uh, I mostly avoided uh, games over this weekend because I was out of town, but I, I have been uh, slowly plucking away at this uh, VR horror game that's been in development for Ooh. a couple of years called Narcosis. Um, it came Ooh. out last week. Um, the, the premise is that you're part of a sort of underwater facility, you know, with a whole group of people, and there's some sort of seismic uh, event, like a, like an earthquake mm. that essentially, like, disconnects you from all the uh, the, the creature comforts and the, the the nicely locked facility where you can go get dry, and instead you're just, you're tucked into your spacesuit, uh, walking along the seafloor and, like, trudging through uh, different dismantled parts of your facility and trying to avoid... <sighs> Uh, what I can only describe as sea spiders. They're nope, terif- ter- I'm good. terrifying. I went through a sequence this morning in which I had to make my way through a, spe- a sea spider like cove. There were just no. there were dozens awesome. of them. They're enormous. Nah. If you if you misstep, they shove one of their arms into your suit and then ah. and then you die. They ah. they make a clicking noise behind you even as you're walking away, and you can only move. Very slowly, and so you're just hoping they're not tracking you, and I refuse to look behind me while I'm walking. <laughs> just, yep. <laughs> if you're going to die in in the ocean, let it be from behind. Like, let it just, whatever is back there, just kill me. I don't want to see your face. What are you, a shark? Are you like a big mm. sea eel? What are you? Giant sea monster. A turtle? Yeah. I don't turtles. Are turtles cute. eat people? Listen, I bet a turtle could eat a person if it wanted to. A turtle to. could yeah. eat a person. We've made it this far because the turtles have chosen to not eat us. Right. We've get, if see. we gave them an incentive, the turtles could turn. If you treat a turtle, I've seen Ninja Turtles. Yep, I have too. Uh, yeah. I've seen other things with turtles in them. Right. Zoo, I've been to a zoo. It's just that Crush is so nice. You know, from Finding Nemo. He's I haven't such seen a nice Finding dude. Nemo. Oh, he's like the surfer dude turtle. Okay. You know, he's so nice. You can't judge one. You can't judge a whole culture based on the, I know. The, you know, one person. I know. I'm pretty I've sure ju- there's I've turtles and the Little Mermaid. I've judged the sea spiders, though. Fuck the sea spiders. Yeah, you, you I, did judge that. I'm That's sure true. you're given, like, I'm sure there's a better name. You're a crab something. But they're sea spiders. Yeah. And they're bullshit. And I want nothing to do wait, with them. Question. Wait. Are they crabs? Are you the thing you mm, ha? Are they sea spiders or <laughs> crabs is it, or spiders? Ha? The thing you're describing is it just there a crab? Are They're enormous. Austin, they are enormous. They are like the size of an elephant. They are giant and they look like daddy long legs. And they they, uh, they put they put their okay. thing and they click and they make noises. They're sea okay, spiders. But if, if it's a big crab, that could be delicious. <laughs> I, I don't want to eat this sea spider crab. I don't. It wants to eat mm. me. That's all the more reason you got to eat it first. Circle of life, man. And it's 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 a, the game itself is a little rough around the edges, but like yeah. its heart is in the right place. And like VR also allows games that don't have the fidelity you would like. This game would be yes. a little rougher if you were just playing it on a big television screen, distanced from what you're doing. But what VR allows uh, allows for is that like lower fidelity art and technical expertise can be mitigated by the fact that like if it's something atmospheric. Being part of a VR can can really enhance that experience, and right. I, I don't have many uh, like true. I don't even ever call it a phobia, but like claustrophobia, like is something I deeply sympathize with. Like the idea of being sure. ca- like locked into something, like buried, being buried alive, is like a top. It's terrifying. Three it's sort of bad. ways to die for me, like like yeah. being li- like the that uh, Ryan Reynolds movie from uh, like five or six years ago where he yes is yeah. in a rat, buried. I think, and then he gets locked into a coffin. For like a better, is it called buried? I was thinking of a different thing, but go ahead, keep talking. Was there that Ryan Reynolds? Was that Ryan Reynolds? That might be right. 
I'm thinking of a completely different thing that might not have Ryan Reynolds in it. I thought it was I'm called Googling buried. as well. I thought it was Ryan yeah. Reynolds. You're almost buried. certainly right. I was thinking about... It is Ryan Reynolds. I was thinking about Mr. Brooks, which has Dane Cook in it, who I, oh, who I often... Wow. Who, those two guys... Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like there's a path divided with them. Sure. And either of them could have wound up as the other one. <laughs> and Ryan I, Reynolds I see chose. Where you're going. Ryan Reynolds chose right. Yeah. Anyway, Dane Cook gets buried alive in Mr. Brooks. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, so it's like, even, like Barry, that, that movie with Ryan Reynolds isn't a particularly good movie, but the conceit like <laughs> make unnerves me to such a degree, and that's what may, has made Narcosis like so. Like it's a uh, there's a line in the game where. Uh, the character talks about like th- their situation is so hopeless that the easy way out would be killing themselves. But the suit that he is in is built to prevent fear from overwhelming you and allowing oh, you to okay. easily kill yourself. So, th- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The situation that he's in, like wow. the, the, the suit he has is meant to stop him from like, That's brutal. Like, doing the thing that was easiest to just get out of the situation and like you know you can't just like create a pocket of air and like just slowly right. die in the water like it, all these sort of things prevented from doing that to try and encourage you to overcome your fear and try and make it out the other side so it's i it's, it's probably uncomfortable i can only play it for like 20 really minutes good. at a time uh because it just kind of gets under my nerves and i'm hoping to write about it earlier this week i think i'm in the the back half of it but uh if you have access to a vr uh headset it's it is worth checking is out. that pc to, to, only it's on PC. it might be on xbox i don't know it's not on ps4 let me uh okay but xbox so far does not have a uh, headset no yet. that yeah not yet yeah, for that will, those that, rumors those rumors are getting out there bit by bit that'll, i don't know yeah. that'll we'll, we'll see some yeah. on that stuff soon yeah let's see, give it 12 it's months. my it's uh, my i think less it's on oculus and it's uh coming to xbox in mid-april i'm i'm sure it's probably still interesting without a vr headset but it's if you can go play it on uh you know yeah. a vive or or an oculus i would I would recommend going down that path. Totally. Or not. It's it's awful. I don't I don't feel good, so maybe don't go down that path. When I said totally, what I meant was no. I'm good. <laughs> so you're both not into spiders. No. No. I'm not into spiders. No. I have tried my best to become an adult about spiders. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I feel that way about roaches, but it's less fear yeah. and more utter disgust. They're very I, I gross. Fear I am spiders. disgusted I, sp- by Spiders roaches. could burn. I don't care what they contribute to the world on an intellectual <laughs> level. I, sure, but okay. burn them. Gotcha. Too many eyes. There's a lot of you eyes. You don't need that many eyes. <laughs> the, uh... I once, I once lost a black widow in a room, and it was the most oh, scary I've ever been in my life. That's... I was like, I've never been more scared. It was in California where there are black widows. Oh, God. I was at CalArts. It was in, like, in a dorm room. And it just, like, I saw it. I was like, oh, shit. And then it, like, I was like, I have to go get something to get it. And when I grabbed something to go kill it, by the time it got back, it crawled behind the head oh, of my bed. I was like, oh, it's just back there. It's just back there. 
it's like 3 a.m. I have to go to bed soon. What do I do? Uh, it was a long what, night. What did you do? I stayed up all night. You, bur- you burned the building. <laughs> right. Yeah, right? pretty this much. This is the only way to be sure. I eventually, <laughs> so the answer ended up being I eventually killed a spider. But when you, like, <laughs> step on a spider and it's all gross yep. and gooey, uh-huh. you don't know. I don't know if it was the spider. Yep. Oh, God. And so I, the next week was just miserable. The next week was me just be like. There was definitely by day three, I was like, all right, well, if I got to go, I mean, God. this is it. I guess I might just get bit by – and, like, I had to sleep in that bed. Like, I had to. <laughs> God. There, I saw, like, three Black Widows that year. One of them was just in the bar that was, like – we went to a dive bar that was, like, down the road from where the campus was. And it was, like, great because it was, like, a local dive. Yeah. And it was, like, the opposite of being at CalArts. It was just, like, yeah. lots of, like, local townies who were, like, 42-year-old dudes yeah. who were just, like, beer gut playing darts, singing karaoke. It was the best. Sounds it was, like, awesome. so good. Um, and one and night, their buddy, uh, right. the Black Widow Spider. And their buddy out Fred. back yeah. in the little, like, patio area, the Black Widow Spider, who they were all just fucking cool with. I was like, hey, uh, there's a... You know you could die There's a Black Widow back there. Like, yeah, well. Like, no. Leave Fred alone. Right. right. <laughs> Fred has a beer every now and then. Coaches are super gross, but I'm not going to like get bit by one and killed by it. Right. Right? That's not a thing? I don't think so. It's it's also specifically tarantulas that I have a problem with. Oh, really? Yeah. See, those are the one spiders okay. that I'm like, okay Oh, my God. Get... They're, They're fuzzy. Furry. Is it the fuzziness? They're fuzzy. Everything about... It's the slow... Oh, that I like. That's like the op. We have opposite uh, oh spider syndrome. Yeah, I, I, we, we have need OSS. To move on from this conversation because like mine <laughs> are. This is the thing is like mine are things like black widows, which are big, spindly, black, oily, like crooked, and it'll kill you. And it'll kill you. But like it's just the aesthetic of it is whatever. My brain has been trained. It's very to, metal, like, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. If Versus I was, the the more like fuzzy, furry. You right. Know? If I lived in the world of brutal legend, I would want to be on the side of a black widow. Spider. So you want to ride it into battle. Right. Yeah. Totally. I, I want to tame them. Yeah. That's not. But that's not that. real world. In the real world, it will just show up, bite me, and then I'll die. Yeah. And people will be like, I'm. Black I mean, widow. You, you probably won't if you're actually near a hospital. But it's still. But what if I don't know? That's the thing. Right. What if I'm asleep and it bites me? Yeah. You're done. Hopefully, it hurts enough that you wake up. I mean, I'm yeah. saying hopefully. Yeah, I, you know, I don't like this scenario either. It's a bad one. To be it's honest scary. with you. Brown recluse spiders are also terrifying. They're also terrifying. I haven't ever seen one of, one of those. Those are more East Coast than West Coast. I know. Yeah. Don't remind me. I'm sorry. God. <laughs> I'm going to dip into the question bucket, I Let's think. Do it, if please. you have questions, you can send them to gamingadvice.com. Uh, use the subject line question and then maybe yeah. a little bit about your question if you, if you want also. We're going to dip into the top of the bucket today. This one, I think, has been something that's on my mind a lot lately. This is from Andy. Which is, in recent years, there are a number of games that have received generally positive coverage from the press on release, but the conversation about them now is that they are bad games. I'm thinking of Final Fantasy XIII, Dragon Age Inquisition, and Skyward Sword, among others. Why do we have this backlash? Those games were all flawed, but the latter two in particular received Game of the Year awards from various publications not so long ago. Yeah, Polygon gave Inquisition totally. the Game of the but Year. But now there is definitely a larger community that I think maybe does not have the fondness for that game. Sure. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, probably the, the game that had like the strongest critical whiplash was Bioshock Infinite. Definitely. Uh, of a game in, in recent memory that, Though, that, w- that went from like 
I, no, I'm saying there. I'm not saying there. There wasn't critical uh, analysis no, of the no, game no, no, no. When, it, when it first came out, but like by and large, totally. it was, uh, Ken Levine's done it again, and then <laughs> and people ten out of ten scores. Yeah, and then, uh, again, but like the the whiplash on that was very quick. Like yeah, uh, yes. whereas I think with games maybe like Dragon Age Inquisition or or stuff like that, that's like a curve that took a little bit longer. That right. I think has more to do with. Like, you know, people really letting a game sink in. Like, there is just fundamentally something that often can't happen with your experience with a game right up front that isn't necessarily uh, endemic just to people who review games for a living, but is just part of the first wave of experiencing something. And that you can't really give it that critical eye until later and you let it sink in and you have perspective from it because you know a lot of times you can experience something and love it because maybe you're just a big fan of that franchise and that style of combat and then you you know like I liked Gears of War 4 a lot playing it and then mm-hmm. like 3 weeks later it was like wow I really actually don't think I enjoyed that game very much <laughs> but in the middle right. of it like the mechanics of the game took over and I was enjoying it and but it's just like the the lingering effects of it was not something that I could really conceive until I had distance from it and was able to look back and go, oh, maybe I didn't feel as great about that as I did, but there was no way to write about that at the time, right? Like, you, can, you can't put a caveat in a review that, like, actually, I might change my feelings on this in six weeks. <laughs> I guess I'll just rewrite it. You know, that's just the nature of writing something down is it's a moment in time and a feeling yep. in time, and that feeling might change later. Maybe you read an article that, like, or have a discussion that totally changes your feeling. Like, yeah. like I played Bioshock Infinite and thought it was, you know, fine enough. Like, it wasn't didn't pay close attention to sort of the racial politics because I was focused right. on the sci-fi story, and I ended up disappointed by the sci-fi story part of it. But then became right. more like my feelings on the game became you know more complicated as people were pointing out the racial politics that I just wasn't paying close attention to, and that's like. I can see myself writing a review of that game. I didn't review that game, but I could have seen myself right. writing a review that was like, oh, like, it was pretty fun, and, like, this, the ending was sort of Four a disappointment. Four out of five. But, like, right. you know, it was a fun sci-fi romp, blah, 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 blah. But then once all that <laughs> stuff was pointed out, like, oh, shit, this is a lot uglier than I saw on first pass. Right. Yeah. It missed the mark in ways that it thought it was hitting the mark. Yes. And that's that can be tough. Yeah. I, I think that the, the other thing here with Backlash uh, – the, or like not backlash, just the separation between review experience. The or, full arc of of critical reception. Right. Perhaps. So one thing yeah. that's interesting, I think, with Bioshock Infinite was one. I think we are a little more attuned to what that backlash was because we run in those circles. Right. Yeah. Um, to the point that when Infinite. Uh, HD or whatever, not HD remake, because it was already HD, but its most recent remaster yeah. that came out last year at the Bioshock Collection. There were lots of people surprised that there had been any negative thoughts about it. Like when pre- when media wrote critical things about the remaster, we're like, well, it is, you know, doesn't fix its weird racial politics. A lot of comments were like, why didn't the uh, this is like you didn't hate First this three years ago yeah. right exactly four years ago everyone loved this game where's all this where's all this criticism coming from because like oh well yeah you're not tuned into that same thing a lot of writers happen to be tuned into those places have heard it have internalized those critiques and has that backlash has slowly happened in like this group of people um, I don't know I, like, I really I'm curious what the wide audience thinks of Bioshock Infinite in the grand scheme of things uh, I, I wonder if they folks still like really do hold that game up uh, I yeah, don't know. Good, the other thing that question. happens is the other thing which is like big backlash against a game uh, or sorry backlash against the criticism of the game where like 
reviews poorly, sixes and sevens, and then the audience fucking eats it up anyway. Yeah, uh, and that's always interesting to see too. Like it's always I, I, there to are think definitely of the times last game that had something that was that. I had thought Mass Effect Andromeda might find that. I think its core audience will still defend that game to its death, but like I don't Spec know. Ops the line like or the something criti- like even that the, re- or... the reviews mm-hmm. of uh, of Andromeda like are are more like middling, slightly above. A- like it's not like it cratered with critics. No, and then right, right, totally. Fans were on the other end of that. Uh, I'm trying to pay attention to chat if they can think of of some. Yeah, yeah if they can think of anything that that does that way. Uh, I feel like there's uh, sometimes it's just like a fan God community hand. thing. Somebody's saying God Hand, but that's like a cult classic that's in a true. sense, right? Like, I think that's more likely uh, uh, with Demon this sort Souls of thing. is a Demon Souls. Demon Souls yes. is actually that's maybe a great the typical yes. example of this, in which yeah. GameSpot was an outlier, gave that game Game of the Year upon its mm-hmm. uh, the, the year of its release. Wow, like, did they? Yeah, was they were one of the good on them. Uh, well, Greg Kasabian is like a uh, a Demon mm. Souls acolyte, and uh, clearly <laughs> a lot of people had to like it for it to get Game of the Year there, but they were. They, they were clearly ahead of the curve on recognizing what that game was doing as opposed to how that game was largely interpreted was that mm-hmm. the way it ran against the grain just surprised people in a way that, like, at that point in time, games were a lot more hand-holdy and set-piece-driven. And now that Demon's Souls didn't have some of that stuff, but it was purposely designed to cut against that that surprised a lot of people. Also, it's the kind of game that if you weren't prepared for what it was – as a reviewer, I can see how you would fucking hate it because yeah. if, you, if you weren't <laughs> yes. knowing what you were going in for, uh, I could see how that would just sort of bother you um, on, a, on a fundamental level on, in terms of how you have to review games. Totally. Uh, but that's the game I can think of in the last like 10 years that it's like a game that didn't review very well, became cult status, and now canonically the Souls games are viewed very differently than how Demon Souls was originally portrayed. Right. I'm saying Destiny. Yeah, I, I, but that the, again is more middling. Or like the fans, all the people who I know who loved that game at launch also hated that game at launch. Sure, I think Kirk Hamilton's review of that game yeah. for Kotaku is like one of my favorite pieces of like traditional games criticism, like review, uh, and it really nails this line of like I can't stop playing this game, and also here is everything wrong with it. Sure, uh, I think the one of the things that someone picked up on, which is really good, are like crafting games right now. Yeah, that like ninety percent of the people I know in the games press don't give the time of day to games like Rust or Ark. Sure. And those those games have massive communities of diehard fans. Yeah. Um, and that's not like backlash to the backlash or whatever, but like I think that's a similar disconnect between audience and, and reviewer, you know? Yeah. I would um, agree. I think there's also something to Skyward Sword and Dragon Age Inquisition yeah. in particular, which is that they're both really massive games that are yeah. overstuffed with bullshit, but yeah. also have really high highs. And I think that's yeah. got to be part of it as well. You know, when you're reviewing a game, the stuff that sticks out to you is the stuff you're actually going to write about. So yeah. I'm going to remember the amazing dungeons in Skyward Sword. I'm not Sword. going to remember being stuck in the hinterlands exactly. for 25 hours. Exactly. Because I have to get through it, because I'm a reviewer. You gotta do I'm going to get through it. Yeah. Whereas if you're at home playing and you're at hour 22 of the hinterlands yeah. thinking, this is what I should be doing, then you're just going to have a miserable time. Yeah. 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 It's difficult. Um, I think Dragon Age 2 is an interesting example, too, which I'm, sure. I'm still plucking away at this thing. This is the second time someone said plucking away. We're talking about birds. Oh, so many uh, birds. Sorry, birds. Uh, at this Mass Effect thing I'm, I'm trying to write, in which I, one of the things I, I bring to mind is Dragon Age 2, which on launch received really poor reviews mm-hmm. um, or, or pretty poor reviews specifically for uh, it's being so repetitive, reusing a lot of dungeon assets, the combat feeling dumbed down. A lot of fans didn't like it at first for that reason or a lot of very vocal fans did. Right. Didn't. But then bit by bit, 
it grew its own fan community. The people who subdivided from Dragon Age Origin fans who like liked something different or wanted something different from Bioware games stuck around that game and, and buffeted it. And then eventually I played it and because I had my expectations reset, I was good, right? And the yeah. same thing happened with Destiny actually, which was like I played Destiny after House of Wolves and whatever the other first – Dark Below before Taken King right. and I knew what I was getting into. I knew what it was and I had a pretty good time with it because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's another thing that can come up in this conversation is like once that first initial wave of what is this thing, how is it? Once that goes out, like that can shift your expectations and shifted expectations change the literal experience of what you have with a thing. Like that's yeah. not a dirty secret or that shouldn't be a negative. Like we should embrace the fact that having our expectations change changes what our experiences is with something. So I don't know. It's, it's useful to, to have that stuff in mind. Um, maybe one more quick one yeah, here, sure. and then and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, this this one starts. Hey, waypointers, apologies in advance. This is a lot to chew, oh. which maybe is not. <laughs> maybe not. That's oh. maybe not a quick not, one. Maybe that's not a quick Uh-oh. one. We'll, we'll wrap back around to we'll that go one. Back. Um, how about this one here? This is actually this one. I'm really curious about your your okay. take, Danielle. This comes in from Evan, who says, "Hey, waypoint. I'm a high school English teacher, and I'm always trying to lend credence to more contemporary forms of art and writing. Yes, we still do the traditional Shakespeare, but slowly our literary canon has expanded. It's not just dead white guys, and I want my curriculum to reflect that. I have my students read as many perspectives as possible, diverse in terms of race, gender, sexuality, and religion. Moreover, I want them to read and analyze other mediums. I want them to take TV, movies, or rap seriously as pieces of writing. The big question is." How do I incorporate video games into the classroom in the same way? It's way easier to send home a textbook. Alas, I can't send home PS4s and a copy of Horizon. (laughs) Not to mention time commitments. What does this look like in a classroom? Does it belong? Do I focus more on larger game design? If so, I need your help, Danielle. What else could they analyze besides your oft-quoted player experience goals? Or do I focus more on traditional writing such as themes, symbols, or characterizations? Love your podcast and unique articles. Thanks for bringing an interesting voice to video games journalism. Thanks, Evan. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Evan. Danielle. I got a whole syllabus of this stuff. stuff. Yeah. You know? So, but like, so the thing yeah. is, your classes is game design, yes. right? So this is someone who's teaching at high school in an English department. Yeah. Or is teaching high school English. What do you think he should bring to... To, to bear. I think he should bring in some incredibly accessible, free browser-based games, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing so that, uh, you know, uh, assuming that this is a, a classroom where the kids have computer access of some kind or mobile yeah. phone access, something where you can play something free on a browser, that is an assumption. I, I realize that. Yeah. But with that assumption, there's a lot of stuff that's very accessible to play. Uh, you know, uh, okay, the st- there's a couple of, like, sterling examples that I think are, are very easy. Something like Anna Anthropy's uh, uh, work you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially dysphoria or yeah. something. Uh, that's something you can look at the themes. You can look at how gameplay itself uh, and how mechanics themselves also can add to a theme yeah. or can teach you something through, like, interacting with the systems as opposed to just, oh, this is, like, a visual novel. This right. is basically literature with pictures, that kind of thing. Um, I think that would be incredibly useful. I mean, of course, this also depends on the sort of emotional maturity of your students. I don't know if these are freshmen right. or seniors. Yeah, those, uh, those are big differences, which, for sure. You know, in which case, there are games that are appropriate, I think, uh, for sort of all ages, and I think there are games that are maybe more uh, skewed towards emotional maturity. Totally. Uh, but yeah, there's plenty of stuff. I mean, Dysphoria is one good example. There's... Um, I don't know if I would give them curtain because maybe that's a little yeah, too heavy, too heavy. <laughs> for high school kids. Uh, of course, I'm always thinking of like queer experience stuff, but I think it's a useful perspective, and I think it's useful 
uh, to look at games that do things through their systems. But also those simpler games that you're going to – I'm not using simpler as a pejorative on, on things right. like issues right. that it's easier to actually see – the connecting tissue between like ideas and implementation that is a little blurrier yes. in big budget triple A, absolutely, you know, are, are are in which it's it's polished behind cutscenes and all sorts of other gloss. Whereas like a lot of these simpler games, like whether you're talking about Twine games or just very simple uh, uh, video games, like you can just see like from idea to implementation where the connecting dots are along the way. That I think like those games are like very useful for understanding like how you yourself could break that game down into its core elements and, and see how that right. person arrived at those conclusions in a way that is a lot more challenging with, you know, like a Grand Theft Auto V or something like that. Oh, totally. Absolutely. There might, yeah. there might also be value here in thinking about ways to give them access to gameplay, uh, to, to like video of gameplay, assigning sure. them like a one-hour segment or a 30-minute segment of a long play to watch, sure. to pay attention to the mechanics with like an explainer of what something is, and then... Ask them about how the mechanics reflect Absolutely. the gameplay. The thing I think about the one of the examples. Go Far Cry Two. No, I'm actually not going Far Cry. Oh, okay. I'm going the right. other way, which is Battlefield Hardline. Okay. Which is the the example that I give a lot of really dissonant themes, which sure. is like, oh, you can arrest people in that game instead of killing them, but the reward you get for arresting them is more guns, more vi- like more fatal guns, more right. lethal weapons, and like that's oh okay, that's interesting. That's a thing that happens in games that doesn't always or that that happens in all media uh, where there's like oh the the style the the grammar of this piece the cadence of this piece doesn't necessarily match up. It's dissonant with whatever the the content or meaning or theme is, and sometimes that's important and valuable that dissonance, and other times it's it's not. And I think that there's there's value in like having them dig into the AAA things because that's where that bad disconnect happens so often. Absolutely. Whereas when it is one person making a thing, it's easy to just give them the examples of where it goes good. Right. I, I for it's me, like part of media literacy not, yeah. is seeing things go bad and Absolutely. learning how to criticize those things and learning the language for how how what critique looks like separate from taste or on top of taste. And that's uh, so for me, like I, I would love to find a way to give them that. And the other one that I want to say is like. Look at uh, look if there's any way to let them play tabletop stuff. Yes, um, short tabletop like one hour, two hour long things. There's a forum called Story Games. Look on Story Games for little, very like mechanics light, but still mechanics driven stuff that lets them experience how rules can lead to narrative development and that's that to me is like core to what games are is that story comes from rule sets um which is true in sports it's true in big budget video games it's true in small you know alt games and it's true on table in the tabletop space uh and so like getting them involved in play for me and then asking them to talk about what their play experience would be like would be really high on my list and board games are interesting because the rules are actually explicitly written out as opposed to games where you're into it uh, the rule sets in a lot of ways, and I want. There's a. Uh, I remember reading about uh, one of the things they do at GDC, or at least did in the past, was like one of the uh, sort of like developer classes you could take that is separate from what we normally think of GDC with these panels and stuff. Is where they uh, they take games like like a Mass Effect or something like that, and they force you to turn it into a tabletop game, and it's a way Ooh. of taking like games where rules are. Uh, fuzzier and actually forcing right. you to mm-hmm. break down like what is this game doing what are like the core rules of how this game works and then translate it to another medium forces right. you to understand what those mechanics and rule sets are in a way that you aren't 
necessarily breaking down and you're, you're doing that just as you're playing the game and not actually thinking about those, those interactions. But when you have to like apply it and write it down and then create your own rule set from it, yeah. it allows you to understand that game in, in a much more fundamental sense. I also like that because it forces you to decide what you're prioritizing in your translation. Right. Right? Like, the what, what your Mass Effect game looks like might not be what my Mass Effect game looks like, right. might not be what your Mass Effect right. game looks like, right? Like, there are different <laughs> levels of, of abstraction happening. There are going to be different focuses in terms of, like, am I representing combat? Am I representing exploration? Am and I representing romance? Which mode do you go for? Yeah. Right, Do you exactly. do the visual novel? Do you do the sort of grid-based combat? Right, yeah, right. There's exactly. all sorts of stuff that you could break down there, which is really fascinating. Yeah. I still really want there to be an XCOM style Mass Effect game that combines all of I want I want there to be Fire Emblem but Mass Effect. Yes. Um, with like with the romances that would be really built fun. in. I want like a cool ship with like fifty aliens and like I can combine them in different relationships and have them have support conversations and friendships. And then also XCOM style cover based tactical like RPG oh, action stuff. That's but also rad. like with the Mass Effect like system of like shields and armor yeah. and barrier and power interactions like that's I want all of that and then also they date yep which also, is also for me just a problem with XCOM in general not a problem with but a thing that I wanted XCOM to do in XCOM two that it didn't really do is like give me even more reason to like my soldiers right. give yeah. me even give them personalities like not just cool names and looks and powers but like let them I want them to chatter a little bit more I want Instead them to like, of, get uh, to know each other fantasy chess with kissing it's sci-fi, it's sci-fi chess, chess with, with kissing. kissing that's all that's all I'm saying best games get on player there, experience goals so that's that's <laughs> all so yeah that's I think that's a good. Yeah, set hey, of brief, things that you briefly, can think about briefly. Yes, briefly. Yeah. Uh, as for our, uh, you know, we have to have a near minute and all of our okay. Near minute. Oh, near minute. Do 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 Talk a little bit about yes. I beat uh, ending A. Okay, I got through ending A two nights ago. Yep. And and then I was like, all right, I'm just going to start ending B and then get to the the opening like save point because I know what I know what the opening is going to be. I thought to myself, mm-hmm. I'm going to start like a uh, route B, uh, and then literally immediately. Literally immediately, it was like, oh, ho, 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 there is new stuff happening here, huh? Yep. And then yep. after that, there was even more new stuff happening. Yep. And I've gotten back to, like, the resistance camp that's, right. like, the, the okay. central right. hub on the world. But there's already so much uh, so much different interesting stuff happening. There are really good moments. There's, like, the moment where the settings happen. Uh-huh. Do you know the moment I'm talking uh-huh. about? That's a really fucking cool moment because of – the realization of visibility. That's one thing I'll say. Yep. Like, that's really cool. Um, in general, it's just, it's, that game's really good. That game's really, I'm going to try to get through it this week or next week. Like, over the, that's, Solaris I've been playing, obviously, but I've been switching out of that with Nier. I'm going to beat Nier and then go on to Persona 5, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly, oh, yeah. also on Persona 5. Persona 5 is out tomorrow. Ugh, okay. Yeah. I think. Um, I think that's tomorrow. Pretty sure. Uh, reviews are out. I'm like 20-something hours in, so I'm nowhere near far enough in to be like, oh, here's what I feel about stuff. There are lots of good reviews out there worth going to read, um, and I will continue to weigh in on that also. Uh, right. But there are things I like. There are things I don't like, and and more development there in the future. I'm glad they're, we're out of like big budget releases. We Yeah, we were, we, were, we, were, uh, we had a meeting yesterday. Whew. It's like, hey, we should look at – you know what the calendar is for for games coming in April. Like we didn't have to look at a calendar in the last couple of months because it was just right. There was always something happening, and then we looked at April. It was kind of like, oh, like yeah, we're getting we're there's getting still stuff. There is there's, there's totally stuff, stuff that I like, but it's not it's not like the seventy last. hour yeah. massive. There's, everyone's yeah. gonna get a breather for a couple of weeks here. 
And I, I think that that's a good chance for us to all find the thing that we want to spend time with. Yes. Spend some time with it. I'm really excited to play some smaller games. Like, yes. I want to play something I can beat in four hours right. really badly. Um, so, let's, yeah. That'd be cool. It's nice. We're, we're Breath of Fresh Air, April. Spring yeah. is here. Uh, Breath of the Wild Breath, Fresh Air. Breath of the Wild yeah. Fresh Air. Also, <laughs> I want to play more Zelda. The Zelda patch hit. Um, we're going to play more Zelda. Hopefully this week we're going to pick up uh, the permadeath run. That Got a I'm lot doing. to do. For people who don't know, uh, I started a run of Breath of the Wild where my goal is to beat Ganon, uh, to beat that game with three beat lives. Beat that Ganon. To beat that ga- mm-hmm. Got to beat that hashtag, beat that Ganon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the hashtag that we're using. Okay. Uh, millions of people are watching live at home right now. Uh, shout outs to all of our fans on Twitter uh, begging for us to beat that Ganon. That's not happening. <sighs> hashtag beat, beat the Ganon. Ganon. So – the goal is is that I have three lives, not three hearts. There's a confusion, a little bit of confusion. It's I'm not, not trying possible to beat, on to three beat hearts. that game with three hearts. You could beat it with three hearts, for sure. Even right? with the, the special thing you got to do in the woods? You wouldn't do that. Speedrunners aren't going to do that. You don't have to do that at all? That. No. Oh, I thought that was necessary to beat Mm-mm. the game. No, 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 no. All right. I don't think so. Yeah, you could beat the game in like 45 minutes. Yeah, speedrunners are beating it in like with nothing. Okay, yeah. I got you. Uh, but I what I'm trying like to do is break or I have three right. game overs. That's another way of saying it. Three game After overs. After the third game over, that is it. We're done with this. We're going to move on to a new thing. And every week we're, we're also adding a new challenge. I haven't checked the poll recently. All I'm a little right. worried about I should yeah, I, I should take a peek at this and see what the new challenge So far, I've lost one life. You can uh, – spoilers, I guess. So you can go watch this on, on uh, YouTube.com. There were a couple of things that went into that lost life. There's a bad yeah. non-joke, and there was also somebody well, didn't heed some particular advice. Which advice was that? Which was to uh, maybe be a little careful because sometimes you can't actually stand on some of the Well, pages. you have often given me bad advice. <laughs> so I was like, ah. I didn't believe that whippoorwills were real. Okay, that's not a real bird. Um, He's a real bird. And the other thing there was just the other thing that, that I should have done, actually. So here, here's what happened, Patrick. Okay. I was climbing a mountain. Uh-huh. I thought I could stand on a thing. Yeah. I couldn't stand on and it, so fell. I lost one of my three lives. I f- yeah, I fell. I didn't in the, the Great Plateau. In the Great Plateau. So the thing to note is the thing I should have done is just fast travel to a shrine. Yep. Obviously. Uh, and I can't – I couldn't do that. Uh, but one of, the, one of the options for next week's game that people have been voting on is no fast traveling a way to save my yeah, life I don't think from you a should tough be fight. To. That should have been instituted from day one. Ooh. No fast Well, now travel. it's going to be instituted probably, I think. That might Here, be winning. I'll even, I'll even vote for Your it. Your vote. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go, my I'm vote. Confirmed. He really just did, I did vote it. for that. Everyone go vote for that. I don't – it's going to be bad. Take it uh, away. Yeah, I'll add a link to it. There's a, there's a story up on the site called Can We Beat Zelda Breath of the Wild with Only Three Lives? Go there. There's a link to the check poll that, that you can check out. Uh, other stuff you can check out always at waypointadvice.com. Again, if you have questions, you can send them to gamingadvice.com. Uh, what else? Uh, you know, you can you can uh, follow me at Austin underscore Walker. You can follow Danielle. Danielle R.I. On Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, and Patrick. You can, fo- you can follow me, hashtag beat the Ganon, uh, over <laughs> at <laughs> topic. Hash- beat that Ganon. Beat, beat that Ganon. Beat the Ganon, whichever, yeah. whichever is in your heart. Go in your <laughs> one of your three hearts and decide. Yeah, well, two. Well, two. Now. Yeah, that's not. Uh, Shoutouts as always to Dylan Coburn and and Tim Barnes for hooking us up with yeah. production. Tim Barnes at uh, Tim Barnes four five one four five one on Twitter. Uh, Shoutouts to Bowen for letting us use his song "Miss You" off the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more about that and go buy it at waypoint.zone slash b o e n. And hey, here are the games we talked about this week: Stellaris. Yep. Uh, near yep. uh, automata. I said it right this time. 
Automata. 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 That's from Tim. I don't want to bite that. That's from Tim Barnes. He did that. What else did we talk about? Narcosis. Narcosis. We're trying to get better at this. Yeah. And then, like, Bioshock Infinite and, yeah. and Bowser Hardline, some other stuff. Yeah. You just heard those. Those don't count. Those are not big talking points. Yes. XCOM 2, but what if it was also Mass Effect <laughs> and the aliens? XCOM yeah. 2, but with fucking. But with fucking. <laughs> yeah. Walking away point. XCOM 2. Yes. Uh, XCOM 2. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Hang on. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Thanks, everybody. Turn it off. Catch us on Friday for our 53rd episode. 54th episode. 54. I don't know numbers. I'm all... Studio 54. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. Catch you on Wednesday and then Friday. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.